0: Life is full. It's full of beautiful moments, hard moments, and a whole lot of mundane in between. Often, we find ourselves going through the motions, and we end up seeing mostly the hard, mostly the boring, and failing to see the good in our days at all. With Intention is a podcast about changing the narrative, I'm your host, Desiree, and I'm no expert at living intentionally. I'm just here to share my personal learnings alongside stories from others about how we're learning to see the beauty in the mundane, celebrate our beautiful, ordinary, everyday lives, and approach every aspect of them with intention. We'll talk about things like motherhood and family, reflecting and taking care of ourselves, our work, our homes, all the things that make up our days. My hope is that you'll leave our conversations reminded that our beautiful, hard, ordinary, mundane days, this messy life, it's full of good and it's full of purpose and it's meant to be lived well with the utmost intention. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get to today's episode. Hi friend, welcome back to With Intention. Happy New Year. It is 2021. We are saying goodbye to 2020. I... Fully believe, looking back, it is not a throwaway year, but it's still kind of nice to move forward, right? And have a fresh start, which is the way many people think of a new year. Whether you think of it that way or not, there's no better time than the present to think about how we can get intentional with our money, with finances. Whatever the past year has brought you financially, whether it has brought unemployment or new jobs or more finances or less finances, a lot has changed for many of us because of the pandemic, because of the lovely 2020. I know it can be a stressful topic, but today I am talking with a true expert in the field and that is Rachel Cruz. If you don't already know her, she is the host of The Rachel Cruz Show. She is the daughter of Dave Ramsey, and her work for the past decade has centered around helping people clean up financial messes, getting out of debt, and building wealth. She's got a book that has just released on January 5th. It's called Know Yourself, Know Your Money. Discover why you handle money the way that you do and what to do about it. So we are going to dive into that topic, why we handle money the way we do, how knowing ourselves can help us understand our habits around money. We're also gonna talk about saving money, we're gonna talk about budgeting a little bit, and we have all of the resources for you to get started here listed in this episode as well. So I am so excited, I'm so honored that I got to talk with Rachel whatever your habits and knowledge around finances look like right now, I know you're going to be encouraged by this episode. So let's just dive right in. Well, I am so excited to be talking to Rachel Cruz today. I'm honored. I've followed your show for a really long time. So before we get started, let our audience know who you are and what you do if they somehow don't already know that.
1: No, it's great. Thank you, Desiree. Thanks for having me on. And yes, I am a personal finance expert and an author and a speaker and a podcast and video host on all things money. So I talk about money day in and day out, and I grew up as Dave Ramsey's daughter, so I kind of have a little bit of a unique take on all of this. And when I was 15, I started traveling and speaking with him at his events and really fell in love with public speaking from an early age which now as an adult, I realized, okay, that's a gift because most people hate public speaking. It's like their worst fear. Uh, but I loved it. And when I went to college, I realized at the time, like, gosh, there are so many people around me, my peers that were making these terrible financial decisions. I mean, they were in credit card debt already and student loan debt. And I remember thinking at 18 years old, you know, I don't know a lot, but I know enough that really I could help them. Like I remember feeling that so much in my, in my spirit of like, Oh, I can do something and help them. And, um, that kind of led to after college graduation to say, this is really what I wanted to do with with my life. I wanted to travel and speak and, and talk about this subject because money is a, it's an intimidating subject. It can be a very shameful subject. And I really wanted to give people, um, a path and a, guided, a guided way to understand how to handle their money and and eventually control their money versus their money controlling them. And my husband, Winston, and I, we've been married 11 years and we have three kids. Amelia is five, Caroline is three, and Charles is a year. So we are, have a, have a house. Well, I feel like I have 17 kids, but it's just three, <laughs> but it's, it's wild and it's, it's so fun. We're having a great time.
0: That's awesome. Well, I, I, love all that you do. And I love how honestly you approach the subject of money. That's probably my favorite thing of following along with you. And today we're going to dive into the idea of how knowing ourselves and being honest with ourselves about how we approach money is going to help our money habits. And you wrote this new book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money. And it has been such a gift to be able to read that book because I have to say, I never really thought about the fact that knowing how I grew up around money and what I learned about money growing up was impacting my habits around money. I just never really thought about that as deeply as you go into it in the book. So we're gonna dive in. Tell me about this book. Tell me about, I I gave a little bit of a preview there, but tell me about why you wrote it and just kind of what you dive into in this book.
1: Yes, well, myself, um, probably, gosh, three years ago, I kind of went on this self-awareness journey, if you will. I I took a few personality assessments. I remember taking the Enneagram and really like diving into that. I remember reading books on like birth order. I I did some counseling and I just really was starting to understand who I am. And that self-awareness, I really believed helped me become a healthier person, probably emotionally. And out of that, I just became a better wife, a better mom, a better friend better daughter, a better sister because of all that. And I remember thinking on that journey, okay, so can I apply some of this stuff to my money? So I started asking my question, a question to myself of, you know, why do you handle money the way you do, Rachel? Why do you spend what you spend during the pandemic? Why are you on the Amazon app buying things all the time? Like why? I started asking myself that and it kind of led in this black hole of all this all these thoughts and research and everything. And I thought I have to write a book about this because for a decade now, I've been teaching people how to handle money. I've been teaching them how to budget, how to get out of debt, how to build an emergency fund, how to invest, how to give, how to refinance, like how to, and never really dug underneath that surface into the why. Why do we do these things? Because personal finance, it's 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. So, you can understand what we what we teach because thankfully a lot of our money principles are just common sense they're not hard to understand but doing it is really difficult changing that behavior and so i thought i need to dive into the behavior side of it like the why the why we do things and it's been such a fun journey so yeah i mean everything from your childhood home to your tendencies to your fears to your dreams i mean all of this impacts how we handle money. And I wrote the book, I say in the closing, you know, I wrote this not just for self-awareness, for self-awareness sake, but to really apply what you've learned to your life and your money because I really believe it helps you win with money faster.
0: Yeah, and just reading through it, I learned so much about exactly what you said, myself and how I handle money. And I can totally relate to the whole (laughs) comfort buying on Amazon. I (laughs) have been there and I was there, even though I know you know, that's not productive, but so true. The more we look into knowing who we are. Yes. It no. it really just makes a difference in how we can start to change those behaviors.
1: And and like you said, I'm like, it's so funny. Cause I'm like, we know this stuff, right? Like it's in our heads. We know it, but doing it, it's what's difficult and asking that why, I mean, like the Amazon, we laugh about it, but I, I did it. I mean, literally I remember one time and during the pandemic, I was like, Rachel, why do you keep going on Amazon? And like, one click purchasing everything. And I was like, because I'm bored. I'm like, okay, why am I okay? Why why am I not okay being bored? I'm like, because I don't want to just sit with myself and my thoughts. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just get to the root of so much of who you are by just asking that question.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes, I can relate fully. <laughs> One thing that you talk about in the book is money classrooms. And that's like the first thing you dive into. And I think it's so interesting. So can you talk about that a little bit, just how we learn about money through our childhood and these different money classrooms that you kind of outline in the book?
1: Yes. Well, when it comes to your childhood home, I feel like some people cringe and they're like, no, like, I don't want to go back and think about that. But really understanding, you know, when it comes to your parents and your upbringing, you're not here to to bash them. You're not here to defend them. You're here to just tell the truth. And the more truthful you can be, the more these light bulb moments will happen in your life where you're like, okay, I get it now. I see it now. Because money is communicated in two ways in a household. It's communicated emotionally and it's communicated verbally. So verbally, it can be open or closed. Emotionally, it can be stressed or calm. And so the first money classroom, as I I was doing it, I was like, oh, wow, this creates a quadrant. And I was like, Oh, thank you, Jesus. I like, I have a graph. I love a graph. And so it's really easy to to see how these connect because that first quadrant is the anxious classroom. And this is where if you grew up in a home where money was never talked about, verbally closed, but emotionally stressed, and you could just feel tension, you could feel stress. Maybe you don't, you couldn't pinpoint why, but you knew something was happening, but you didn't know because no one talked about it. Ah, uh, classroom two is the unstable money classroom, and this is where communication was open, but the verbal communication was open, but the the emotional level was extremely stressed. So this is a home where you probably heard your parents fight about money. May have been a little bit of, of a volatile subject. Um, it could be that you you know heard your parents have the same money fight over and over again. Now um, it's very much the unstable money classroom. The third money classroom is the unaware classroom. And this is where it's verbally closed, but emotionally calm. So you could say your head's kind of in the sand of, you know, you just didn't think about money. It wasn't, it wasn't an issue at all because you just didn't know about it. And then the fourth money classroom is, is the healthiest. And that is when it was, emo- it's when it's verbally open and emotionally calm. And so being in this classroom, it doesn't take a lot of money to be in this classroom. Some people just assume, oh, if I had a lot of money, it would be okay. And that's not the case. You could have $10 or $10 million. But as long as it's a controlled environment with money, that stress is lowered and it's calm and it's open and talked about. So kind of putting yourself in those one of those four is important because they all come with weaknesses. And I think when you can address that, it can help you move forward.
0: Definitely. So someone... I am going to kind of use my own personal example. I'd say that I grew up in more of an unstable money classroom. Just to give kind of an example of like even one of those, what are some typical behaviors that go along with each classroom, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like whenever we are, we kind of identify that we're in a classroom, what's the next step there?
1: Yes, yeah. Well, there's a couple of weaknesses that come with each one. Um, And what's interesting, though, is some people in their adulthood, they've either emulated a lot of what they had growing up or they've done the exact opposite of what their parents did. And so I kind of find these two extremes, which is just interesting. But for the unstable classroom, there's a lot of people that, that will not bring up money problems and situations with their spouse because they don't want it to lead to conflict because they associate money conversations with conflict and this kind of volatility and that it can never be stable. And so they just retreat back and they don't engage in conflict because they've seen it, they've been, they've seen it be done in, in an unhealthy way. And so that, that's the unstable classroom. The unaware classroom, uh, this easily, I've talked to people and they can just easily say, oh yeah, everything's going to be fine. I don't want to worry about it because it just, everything felt at peace. Even if their parents weren't doing well financially, they didn't know about it growing up. So this level of peace they want to try to keep. And so they'll, these are people that will have a spouse that, you know, maybe takes control of the money and does the money. And that person that grew up in the unaware classroom, it's easy for them to say, yeah, yeah. They'll just take care of it. I'm fine. It's kind of like this ignorance is bliss and that's not the case. Um, or again, the opposite effect of that is that they want to control a lot of it because they were so out of the loop. They now have the sense of like, I want to control every detail to the point of legalism on an extreme level. Um, the, un, the, the anxious classroom, um, they, these people find it very difficult to know how to communicate, to even know how to verbalize what they're feeling because they grew up in a home that, you know, just, it was never talked about. And then even the, even that secure money classroom, um, this, this can be a difficult one because as a child, if you came out of that, what a blessing and what a great thing, but also there can be a level of you, you didn't see the sacrifices your parents made. You know, there's a level of work that goes in to create that secure money classroom. And some people just assume like, that's how I grew up, that's how it is, it's, it's no big deal. But it doesn't just come naturally, you actually have to put the effort and the work behind it.
0: I hope you're enjoying today's episode, but I did want to take a minute to thank today's sponsor, PrepDish. PrepDish has been a longtime sponsor of the podcast, and I am so grateful for them because I don't know about you, but after cooking at home more than ever in 2020, I personally am lacking motivation. One of my favorite ways to combat this is to have someone else tell me what to do and what to make. If you're feeling meal planning fatigue as well, PrepDish is one of my favorite companies that will help you out with this. Prep Dish is a meal planning service and they send you an email with a meal plan, a grocery list, and prep ahead instructions every single week so that all of your meals are planned out and completely ready for the week. You can even choose from gluten-free, paleo, and keto options. It makes eating healthy so much easier and the meals are also delicious. I love that there's no guesswork when it comes to actual meal time each day, because as a busy mom who works full time, everyone, including myself sometimes gets a little cranky around this time of day. And I know I'm not alone in this, but the last thing that I want to do is think up a meal idea from scratch. PrepDish takes away this guesswork, plus takes a bit of the workload of dinner time off your plate because you've already bulk made much of the meals by prepping at the beginning of the week. If you're looking to cook healthier meals for your family in the new year, but you also wanna simplify the whole thing, definitely check out PrepDish. And the best part, is that Allison, the founder, is offering listeners of With Intention a two-week free trial. So you've got nothing to lose. Head to prepdish.com slash with intention to try it out. That's prepdish.com slash with intention to try it out. All right, let's get back to today's episode. So good. So, you know, kind of still talking about these many classrooms, I want to talk a little bit about when this comes out, we will just have gotten past the holidays. So maybe we're in a better place where we yeah. can start thinking about saving money, if that's something that we've struggled with in the past. Um, but also, you know, we've gone through a almost a year of pandemic craziness, and the economy is a little bit unstable, and it's probably an important time to be thinking about saving money. So which of these classrooms would you say, if there is, you know, just one or a few, it tends to be less of savers. And what can we do if we are, I know I've always struggled to save money. It's something that, you know, just as I started following you and following your dad (laughs) and kind of going through the baby steps, it's something I only just started thinking about so what can we do if, if we struggle save, with saving money? Um, what are some steps we can take? Yes, well, saving money,
1: it's, it's such a tactical part of money. So it's going to be one of those things that you have to be intentional with. You know, never will we just look in our savings account and be like, oh, wow, there's some money in there. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, you really do have to be intentional with it. So it's things like making it a priority. So I always talk about giving, saving, and then spending. So we always teach giving first and then save second and get a goal. Have a goal. You know, the baby steps you mentioned, the first baby step is to save $1,000. So make that your goal. And even if you're just saving $50 a month or $100 a month, do something because I promise if you have not been saving, it's going to feel very uncomfortable and hard. But once you do it just that first month and you have that money in the account, it's going to feel so good that it's, it's almost... You know, contagious. You're like, okay, the next month, I wanna do more. I wanna do more. Like, you're gonna to start to feel it because you're gonna to start to actually gain control. When you don't have savings and there's that level of insecurity with your money, there's a lot of fear that can happen there. And the moment you start gaining traction, that's why I love the behavior stuff. Like, once you start getting a positive reinforcement of this behavior, you're gonna to wanna to continue down it, but you still have to be intentional. It's not gonna just happen. You have to possibly cut things out of your budget, out of your lifestyle. Maybe you bring in some more money, whatever it is. Cutting it, and I think during the pandemic, like you said, um, it really revealed a lot of where we were with our money as Americans. I mean, it's it, Warren Buffett says when it when the tide goes out, you can see who is skinny dipping. Like right, like when everything's going good, you can kind of cover up some of your money mistakes because everything's fine. But when everything's not fine, you really see the situation of where you're at. And sadly, seventy eight percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. of Americans can't cover a $400 emergency in cash. And so there's this dire need that we have to do something different. And hopefully the pandemic was a moment that shocked you enough to say, you know what? Okay, I never again want to be in this moment. Never again will I do this. Never again will I be in this position. And so part of that never again is saving. And so you just, it's one of those things, you just have to do it. But that's the beauty about being being a human being is you get to wake up tomorrow and you get to decide to do something different. And, and the key is, too, that in order to do something different that you've never done before, change has to happen. And change is uncomfortable. Change is not fun. I mean, even my, my three-year-old, we ended up switching the car seats. To, to, we took our car seats out and then we had to put them back in and I switched them on accident. And you would have thought I was torturing my three-year-old to make her sit in her car seat on the other side of the van. She was like, no. And I'm like, yeah, she doesn't even like change. I mean, it is is—it is in us that it is uncomfortable, but you have to have the hope that what you're changing for is greater than your current situation. So if I'm telling you to sacrifice your lifestyle to save money or sacrifice to get out of debt, um, you have to believe that those things are gonna be greater for you than your current situation. Because if I said, just sacrifice for the heck of it, You'd be crazy if I was like never go on vacation, don't go out to eat just because like yeah you'd be insane just to take that advice for just what it is, but because of the result is greater and you have hope that that result is greater hopefully that's a that's a ignites you in your change um, as you go through this process
0: yes that's and that's so true that it's like the reason behind it the why that you can kind of hold on to because i I know I've recently gone through a lot of changes. I had a change in job. I had a change in, we moved. It's like a bunch Mm, of changes at once. mm. And I have a three-year-old as well. And Mm. she did not do, (laughs) I didn't, I, I know I saw myself like have tantrums throughout that time, you know, but she just went crazy on it. Nobody likes change. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all about putting that why behind it is, is so important. And I think that's what your book really helps us do because not only does it you know, we might have a why that we're holding on to, but it helps us dig into it even deeper of just like, why am I the way I am? And why do I handle things the way that I do? So with kind of this idea of, okay, we're in a new year. I mean, last year was crazy. When when this is coming out, I should say we're in a new year. Um, 2020 was was a little bit of a wild ride. Um, Maybe This is the year that someone wants to take control of their money and, you know, get to know themselves and Change money habits and I know we talked about this a little bit with spending But when it comes to like money habits in general and changing money habits in general What would you say is like a couple of steps that someone can take to change? A bad habit that they have with money
1: Yes, I think that um you have to be at a place in your life where you're ready for it. I think that you can wander your way, you know, into debt and into bad money decisions, but you can't just wander your way out. You have to be willing to do the work. And so when you're at that point, like, you know what, I'm going to change. I would say a couple of things. I'd say, um, get some good resources around you, you know, read, Ramsey solutions. This is all we do. So I would point you to us for sure. I'm like, get the budgeting app, um, go through Financial Peace University, buy some books if you want to read through it all, or just go online. We have tons of free content listen to the podcast, like get some things around you, some resources around you to help you in the journey because you're going to be able to be motivated and guided along it, along that path. You're not on your own. And I think sometimes when you feel isolated and alone, you don't even know where to start and where to begin. And so we walk through the seven baby steps and it's really seven steps to become financially free. And it starts with that thousand dollar emergency fund and into getting out of debt and then funding a fully funded emergency fund after that. And then on to retirement kids college paying off the house all of it and really walking a path is going to help you kind of check mark uh, your way through it so I would say that I would say get resources get that plan and, and begin that way um, I'd also say have some people in your life that you can do this with if you are if you have a spouse, do it together. Work as a team, and this is this could be a whole other podcast talking about spouses and money and all of it because um, there's a lot there for sure. But but if you can do it with your spouse and being on the same team, and it will it will literally change your marriage. Like when you get on the same page about something and you sacrifice together, it's an incredible feat and it's it's amazing. Um, if you're single have have friends around you that know what you're doing that can ask you questions and encourage you on so that would be some big things and then I would say tactically as well we've been we've mentioned it a few times, but just the budget like this is like the tried and true 101 thing that you can do tonight. We have an app called every dollar it's free so download it and start your first budget and give yourself three months to get it to work because it's going to be a little crazy if you've never budgeted before give yourself grace and this will be really that first tangible step to say, you know, what? I'm going to get in control of my money. I'm going to learn how to live on less than I make. I'm going to learn how to have boundaries. I'm going to learn where I can spend and, and actually spend money without guilt or without shame and no questions. Cause it's in the budget. Like you're going to have this whole new world of controlling your money when you do the budget.
0: Yes. I love it. I can vouch for the every dollar app hundred percent. I love it so much. I use it daily. So, um, I just am pushing people your way, basically. No, it's great. No,
1: and and I would say resources. this. Yeah, I would say this too. I naturally am a spender. I'm naturally a free spirit. So I'm telling you, I am not like this, like money nerd that like loves to save money all the time and budget. Like I'm the opposite. I'm like I just want to spend money and details and all that stresses me out. So if, if that's you out there, I'm you. So I if I can do it, you can do it. And the crazy thing is, once you, I wonder if you feel this way, Desiree, but like if the budget was taken from you. For me, I'm like I don't even know what I would do. Like it literally is my guiding path to my money and everyday purchases. I love it so much.
0: Yes, I I do feel that way. It would be like full on anarchy with <laughs> It's just I don't know. I would probably spend everything without even knowing it. But I kind of I guess I do know what I would do. That's probably what it would be. Thank you so so much for this conversation. I know it's going to encourage people with a new year and. Such important goals, like money goals, are such important goals to make. Before we, I have two questions I want to ask you quickly, just two questions I ask every guest. But where can people find your book? Yes, they can
1: go to uh, rachelcruz.com or anywhere books are sold.
0: Okay, awesome. And I will also link it in the show notes, of course. But the two questions I always end with, and I love to hear from every guest that I have first one is what is one way that you choose intention in your daily life?
1: Um, I would say I have to schedule it (laughs) for me. So for me, I know early morning is the best time to have for me, intentional, when you say intention for me, it's intentional time by myself. And so whether that's journaling or reading or anything like I, I know I need that time and I make a very intentional effort for that. So, um, I do it, but I schedule it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can fully relate. And then the second question I have is, what is something that you're loving right now? Something I'm loving right now.
1: This is the most random thing in the world, Desiree, but it's just true. Okay. I have this thing called the makeup eraser <laughs> oh. and it's this cloth and all you do is use water with it, but it's like this microfiber cloth. I don't even know. I got it off of Amazon and it's <laughs> it's amazing. Like I've had makeup remover stuff that's like you know, a, a pad or a wipe or whatever. This thing will take off. Mascara, anything, anything in like three swipes. I'm obsessed with it. I love it.
0: That sounds amazing. I. It sounds like... You should buy it. Is that great? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go look into it right now. You should try to make it. This is the whole reason we had this conversation. I think it is. I totally (laughs) think it is. (laughs) Well, thank you so much again, this conversation. I know it's going to encourage so many and same with your book. Thank you again for coming on the show. It's been an honor to talk to you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Desiree. Thanks for having me on.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for being here and for listening in. If you found value in today's episode, could you share it with a friend or share it on Instagram or wherever you like to share things? That just helps get more eyes and ears on the podcast and I am extremely grateful for that. I like to end each episode with a challenge and you can take it or leave it, of course, but this is just a way to apply what you might have learned today or what you heard today. So my challenge to you today is simple, and it's just to choose one way in which you'll be more intentional with money this year. There are a lot of ideas in this episode. Rachel's book is a great place to start, but I know it can be overwhelming, especially if you are at the beginning of your journey with finances, with becoming debt-free, or with just even making a budget. If you are at the beginning, choosing one way to become intentional with your finances this year and actually putting it into practice setting a plan in place to do the thing it's going to make it less overwhelming because you're just starting with one way to be more intentional with finances and if you already are really intentional with your finances. This is just a great time to think back on the last year and think of maybe a way that you could pursue intentionality in an even greater way in this area of your life. That is all I have for today's episode. Again, thank you for being here and listening in and I will talk to you right back here again next week.